Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Let me begin this morning with a question. How many of you growing up altered your behavior because you were concerned about what would happen if your parents found out, maybe especially your dad? Show of hands, yeah. Uh, If you're online, you can put a me too in the comment section. Those potential consequences kept many of us from doing some things, maybe not everything, uh, because the possibility of getting lit up was real, right? Um, Any wooden spoon survivors out there? And yeah, my mom broke one of those over my butt in my sleep once. Uh, Any leather belt survivors out there? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, it happens. If you had to pick your own switch, you know your parents were old school. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> now, I won't ask for a show of hands because I know this isn't politically correct today, but how many of you have looked at this generation and thought, what this generation needs isn't a safe space. What this generation needs is a good spanking, right? I confess, I have fallen to temptation, and those thoughts have hit my mind and occasionally left my mouth. (laughs) Remember how many people applauded that Baltimore mom last year when she went down in the middle of a riot and pulled her son out and cracked him upside the head? Everybody was like, yeah, go mom. Something inside of us knows we need the threat of judgment and consequences to keep us on the narrow road. We need moms and dads who love their kids enough to discipline them. Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares the rod hates, hates his son, but he who loves him is careful, and that's important, careful to discipline him. In order to discipline carefully, we need to be able to judge right from wrong behavior. Staying on that narrow path in life comes from a respect and an understanding that one day a holy God will judge the living and the dead, all of us. It's in the word. And God gets to decide what's right and what's wrong because God is God. If you grew up in a Christian home, you know that you were often kept on the narrow path through the love, guidance, and sometimes the physical direction (laughs) of your parents. Go mom and dad. Um, Maybe maybe your mom was kind of like my mom. She knew somehow when I was getting off the path. She could tell, she said, by the look in my eye, which I think is just a mom's way of like trying to get you to telegraph <laughs> what's going on. You know? And she had spies everywhere. It did not help that half, the, half my family lived in the mobile home park. You know, my grandmother would rat me out. 
Anybody know what I'm talking? Your, your mom knew everything. That, like, it's like you couldn't get away with stuff. Do you realize how much grief and pain we were spared because we altered our behavior out of respect for the people in authority over us and the threat of getting caught? Thank you, Jesus. Don't you sometimes look back and think, you know what? I'm actually glad that my parents caught me on the front end of that because life could have gone all kinds of crazy if they hadn't. Some of us look back and are thankful because we know the trouble that we would have gotten into if we didn't fear judgment. To be sure, judgment, like anything else, can be overdone. But neglecting judgment altogether is not the answer. Proverbs says neglecting discipline isn't love, it's hate. Our culture seems to neglect judgment and justice all the time. It seems like if you have a good enough lawyer, you can get off. It seems like you don't have to pay the consequences. You don't have to face judgment. If you have enough money, no worries. Just, justice goes unserved. If you know the right people, it seems like you can get off today. Judgment in our culture is a dirty word. So much so, some people think it's a sin to call sin, sin. People say things like, wow, you know, who am I to judge? Or who are you to judge? Or don't judge me. People get offended when they're told they are doing something wrong. So it might seem strange to our ears as we jump into 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning to hear Peter encouraging us to live in light of God's judgment. He tells us that God is coming to judge the living and the dead. No one is going to escape the judgment of God. Now, Peter doesn't want believers to live in constant fear of God's judgment. We're not supposed to walk around worrying whether or not God is going to strike us with a lightning bolt in wrath. God is not like an overly critical parent who's like, aha, aha, I, ca I caught you. Jesus, I just smoked another one. Peter doesn't want us to live in ignorance, though, that God will judge us. He's trying to give us a reality check so that we alter our behavior. Some would call that God's restraining grace, keeping us from what we would do. We need to know that everyone will stand before judgment. Let's jump into 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning. Therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live with the rest of their earthly live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past, doing what pagans chose to do. 
living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according not to, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. In light of God's judgment, Peter encourages believers to do a number of things. And if you're taking notes, this is the first one this morning. We are to arm ourselves as we face suffering because it will help us defeat sin. Defeating sin will help us on the day of judgment. This arming is a military term. Military people put on armor, gear, and various pieces of equipment equipment for battle. Soldiers don't just walk into battle without gear or the tools for the job. Defeating an enemy takes more than just gear, though. Soldiers prepare, they plan, they practice. They get familiar with their gear, and they build teamwork. Some preparation is outward, things like physical strength and stamina, learning your gear, running drills, practicing strategies. And some preparation is inward. You have to have a certain mindset a certain attitude, a certain toughness to do battle and win victories. We all say things like, you know, get your head in the game, even if we're playing sports, or focus on the task at hand. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. There is a physical element of training, and it has value. But you get the sense that training in godliness is more than just physical. Peter, I think, actually said it best in 1 Peter 1.13 that we looked at earlier. Therefore, Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ is revealed. We are to gear up and prepare our minds and our lives for what, what, what is going to happen when Jesus is revealed. And suffering is part of that preparation. Peter says in chapter 4, Jesus suffered in his body. Have the same attitude, have the same mindset. Jesus' mind was focused on the cross. His goal was to defeat sin and death. The goal, the hope of sharing the mindset of Christ and arming ourselves is defeating sin or letting his grace defeat sin in us. I assume most of you have heard the story about the old man who was talking to his grandson and told his grandson, there's a battle raging 
in every one of us. And it's the battle between two wolves. And the grandson looks at his grandfather and says, which one wins? And the old man says, the one you feed. Some would argue that it is impossible to stop sinning in this life. Others would argue that it is possible. I'm going to skip that debate for right now and simply say, it is worth the fight to keep fighting against sin. Don't give up the battle. Don't stop trying. Don't stop asking the Holy Spirit for help. Keep fighting. Pray, as we do every week, that you would not be led into temptation. Be mindful that one day we will all stand before a holy God for judgment, and he will judge justly. Arm yourself, because God's judgment will not be based on how much money you have or how much we've acquired in this life. It will not be based on how important we were or how good of a job we had. He will judge based on whether we accepted his son and what we did with that gift of life. In spite of the trials that we face, use that gift wisely. Which leads perfectly to number two, if you're taking notes. Instead of living for sin, we are called to live for the will of God. First Peter 4.2. As a result, they do not live the rest of their lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Verse 2 reflects the prayer of Jesus in the garden, doesn't it? it not my will, but your will be done. Something about suffering and choosing God's will over our, our own transforms our life. It strengthens our character. It purifies our living so that we can fully live for God. We had a, a meet and greet last week, and there was a young lady in the group that was in ninth grade. And her, her mom shared briefly how much suffering and opposition that her daughter faced in school because she stood up for her faith and wouldn't participate in the things that her friends wanted her to participate in. That young lady was and is choosing to live for the will of God. She, she is choosing to be a light and a witness for the sake of doing God's will over her own. My heart went out to that young lady. And I'm not sure if you're here this morning or you attend second service. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk after the meet and greet. But I want to say to that young lady, thank you for last week because you showed me Jesus. And I've been praying for you this week. And I pray that God blesses you richly for being willing to endure suffering for the sake of doing his will. That's a lot of maturity for someone in ninth grade. Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Again, Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day 
has enough troubles of its own. Again, I pray uh, that that young lady hears the words God spoke to Jesus when he was baptized, like personalized to her. This is my daughter. In her, I am well pleased. May you hear those words as you endure suffering and choose the will of God. I would actually like to make an introduction uh, between that young lady and Carly, who sings on our praise team, uh, because I think you guys would hit it off. Maybe we could do that if you're here down front after the message. May we all choose to live for God's will and not our own. God is faithful. The other thing I'd want to say at this juncture is sign up for a connect group. <laughs> I can't say that enough because you and I both need the love and the support of other people to endure suffering and choose God's will as we prepare for judgment together. We need one another. We just can't stand alone. Number three, in light of God's judgment, we need to walk away from our past sins and not return to them. I don't know why I kind of get a chuckle out of 1 Peter 4, 3 and the way that Peter phrased this, but, but I just do. Um, this, look at this verse again. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. I don't know if Peter had somebody specific in mind. <laughs> like, you know, you, Joe, uh, or, or, or you, Nancy, you have spent enough time doing what pagans do. Or maybe Peter just has in mind the sins that people were given to, tended to do in the culture that they were in. But the message, the message is the same, no matter who he thought of. That's about enough of that. It's time for you to stop and move on. You've spent enough time doing what pagans do. You might look at that list of sins from 1 Peter and say, you know, okay, that, that describes my college years like really, really well. Or you might think, you know what? I've never done uh, most of those things. Or you might be wrestling with some of them right now. The truth is we've all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I sense God wants, like, to set some people free this morning. What miracle of freedom with something that you've been struggling with does God want to do in your life? I think God is looking for some men and women that will take Peter's words to heart and say, this is enough of this. I, I'm an angry person. This is enough. I, I have lust in my heart. It's enough. I have a problem with alcohol. It's enough. I've spent enough time doing this. I, I'm not content. I'm full of greed. I can possibly, compulsively do whatever to find comfort and hope, but my comfort and hope should be in you, and it's enough. Right now, I'll tell you right now, people won't understand the change in you. And they're going to give you a hard time. But enough is enough in Jesus' name. 
Somebody this morning needs to say, you know what? I have tried doing this on my own. I've tried. But enough's enough. God, do a miracle in me today. It stops today. As we stand to worship this morning, I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up now. You can do that. Uh, as we stand to worship this morning, I'm going to ask that if, if you want, if you sense God is saying, okay, you, you know what it is. Enough's enough. I'm going to invite you to in some way communicate that with God. I don't care if you come down here to the steps. I don't care if it's the first time you've raised your hands. I don't care if you want to hold them to receive his forgiveness. But in some way, respond to God's leading. Because one day, we will all stand before his judgment seat for judgment. Do you know him? Do you love him? Have you received his son? What are you doing with that gift of life? Enough's enough. God, as we come, we want to proclaim, God, that enough's enough. We've spent enough time doing what pagans do. We want to receive you this morning. We want to invite you into our life. We want to invite you in power to help God do a miracle of your restraining grace so that our lives can reflect your will and not our sinful desires. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.